So we are talking about the new, the new, entering into the new. And I want to read to you um, our main scriptures that we've been uh, using uh, for the series on the new. And uh, then we'll get going on today's portion of the series. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. Do not earnestly remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it and know it? And will you not give heed to it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I was going to read some other translations, but that was pretty good. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive? In other words, can't you tell that I'm doing a new thing? And uh, it now springs forth. In other words, it's coming forth right now. It's happening right now. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, it doesn't matter if in your life, It feels like it is a wilderness. It feels like you are all alone. It feels like you're out there uh, in the middle of this and nothing's happening, nothing's going on. There's nothing that's beginning that you can see that's beginning to grow or spring forth. You don't even see any water, any moisture. You're out in the wilderness. But the Lord said, behold or look, pay attention, grab it in. I am doing a new thing. Sometimes the Lord, well, the Lord always wants to do something new in your life, but sometimes we don't pay enough attention to it that we actually miss what he's trying to accomplish, to be more than conquerors in the middle of, not on the outside of. In other words, as soon as you receive Jesus Christ, as soon as you're born again, something supernatural happens to you. On the inside, you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. When you are born again, instantly your spirit is recreated in Christ Jesus, and you become one spirit with him. The Holy Spirit joins with your spirit, and now you become one with God according to the word of God. And so you are born again. You know, Nicodemus, who was a teacher of the law, ruler of the law, a Pharisee, said to Jesus, trying to understand some of these things, he's trying to understand it with his natural mind. He's trying to understand something spiritual. So you see, God is not a mind, and God is not reason, and God is not a body. So he's a spirit. He is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? If you're going to connect with God, if you're going to hear from God, if you're going to walk with God, talk with God, live the kind of life that he created you in existence to live, well, that means you're going to have to connect with him, not in your body and not in your mind or the realm of reason, but you're going to have to connect with him in your innermost being, in your spirit. That means if you're trying to listen for him to talk to you like you're listening for the sound of my voice, Uh, You're not listening in the right area of your being. What does that mean? Well, one of the things it means, or it can mean, is that, um, you know, I'm speaking the word of God to you. But you actually 
have no need that any man teach you, the Bible says, because the Holy Spirit will teach you. What does that mean? That I should not be up here and we should just shut the whole thing down? No, because when Jesus ascended on high, it says when he ascended up to heaven after his death, burial, and resurrection, he ascended on high, he gave gifts to men, some apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, excuse me, for edifying of the body of Christ. What does that mean? Well, if Jesus gave those gifts as his last act, as he's going up, that must mean that we need those. It actually says till we come to the unity of faith, the full knowledge of the Son of Man. Who's come to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ? None of us have. We're all learning and growing. Well, so what does that mean then? You don't have any need that any man teach you. Well, I can teach and I can speak forth from the word of God and under the anointing of God, but I can't teach you anything. The Holy Spirit's the one that can teach. In other words, you can have reality and truth that was before the foundation of this earth and of this world laid out before you. And if the Spirit of God himself does not reveal it to you or open it up to you or shine the light on it before you, you'll just say, oh, uh, have you ever done this? I've done this. I, I read a passage of scripture and I thought, hmm, I should be really excited about that because what it says is very amazing, but it's like not registering deep inside me. It's just like surface. It's just like factual. But man, as soon as you look to the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you and allow him to reveal what you're reading or to shed a light on, shine a light on what you're reading. Sometimes you feel like you're doing flips on the inside. You're like, this, this is like, this is feeding my spirit. This is, this is um, you know, invigorating me. In fact, I don't think you should ever go to a service in the name of Jesus to where you're not built up, something's not put into you on the inside. But that doesn't come by man's wisdom that comes by the Spirit of God, okay? So if we're talking about that in a church service, well, then how much more in your individual life every day? So, um, you know, we are here that you might have the God kind of life, which is abundant life, which is real life. Well, the only way that you're going to have that is if you follow what the Lord has planned for your life. And the things that he has set aside for those that love him. So in other words, God has all of these um, wonderful promises, wonderful facts that he has given to the believer in Christ. <clears throat> Actually, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says that even all of the people in the world who have not accepted Jesus Christ, that God has reconciled them unto himself. What does that mean? Well, reconcile is like an accountant would use a reconcile term. I don't know if there's any accountants in here, but accounting is not my favorite thing. <clears throat> Although I do love spreadsheets, I will say. <laughs> Caveat there. In other words, you put it all down, you add it all up, and if you add it up, you're, what your ability is and what mistakes you've made in life and the goals you've set and how far you've uh, made to attain those goals, <clears throat> if you're honest, you'd probably say, hmm, I don't measure up. But the reality is that through Christ Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. We have been declared and made to be right with God himself. And then that ledger on the side that would have us actually 
has the blood of Jesus all over it. So that then when you look at that ledger, it says you are worthy because my blood has made you worthy. In other words, you can enter in because of the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. I saw beforehand, before the foundation of the earth, Jesus himself was ordained a lamb to be slaughtered on behalf of mankind. So somebody said like uh, God created man and then he was surprised that man messed up. No, he was not surprised that man messed up. He made provision for man's mistakes before man was even created. Sometimes the devil will try to tell you. In other words, he talks to you from the outside, talks to your mind, thoughts. God speaks to you in your spirit. But the devil will try to tell you, well, yeah, other people's sins are forgiven, but yours yours are way worse. Uh, You've done this and nobody knows it. No, nobody's aware of it, but you know, yours is worse. You cannot come up with a sin, and the devil cannot come up with a sin that is too bad or too far for the blood of Jesus. There is not one place that the blood of Jesus does not reach and has not reached. It has gone to every place that you could ever think of going, that you could ever come up with, or that the devil could ever try to come up with. And so we're talking about entering into the new. So really what's happening is there is the new, in this year especially, there is the potential to enter into the new, but there's also the potential to just keep going the way you've been going. And so in order to enter into the new, you have to kind of be fed up with how things are so much that you're like, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm going to do something different. Or you have to say like, you have to see how good the new is and say, you know what? That's pretty good. I want to do that. And normally those two kind of go together. <laughs> Think of it just in natural terms. If uh, you're making 10 or $12 an hour and uh, you're not able to live the standard of life that you prefer to live because uh, your income is too low and you know, somebody says, hey, you know what? Uh, I'll pay for you to go to this training or I'll pay for you to go to university or maybe they won't say that, but maybe somebody says, uh, man, I've got this job, and I just love it. It's so wonderful, and, you know, I went to school to do this. You know, you can go to my school, and you actually see, like, wait a second, how I'm living now versus how they're living. Not only my standard of life, but my enjoyment of the job. And so all of a sudden, you see, oh, I'd really rather uh, do that, and I'd rather have those type of finances. So you say, I don't, I'm uncomfortable with how this is, and I want to go there, so I'm going to change. And that's when most people change. Uh, If people don't have a reason to change, many times they won't change. The only other time most people change is when they actually learn enough that they have the ability to change. In other words, now I know enough. um, You can think of that with, uh, if you've ever ever done any international traveling and uh, um, uh, opened your mouth and said something, uh, you might find that cultures are a little different and that you say something in one culture and it means something completely different in another culture. And so if you knew what you were communicating, you would never say that, right? I just give like, we have microcultures in the United States. And so I grew up in my family, and I think we were incorrect. I'll just say that at the outset. I think we were wrong. Mom, I think we were wrong. (laughs) And so I grew up learning that the word ornery uh, meant that you like to tease. Well, my wife grew up. And I grew up in northern Indiana, and she grew up in northern Minnesota. She grew up uh, learning that the word ornery meant, like, mean old man. Like, you like to be teased mean to people. And so we got married, 
there was a little bit of a conflict of communication because she would do something. And I said, you're so ornery. And she's like, I am not ornery. Why would you say that? I took it as a compliment and she took it as a criticism. And so um, just your communication. But as soon as you learn enough, I, I don't call her ornery anymore. You know, uh, she got in trouble for growing up. She got, maybe I'll get in trouble for picking on her, but she, because she's not in here this morning, but she got in trouble for growing up if she said yes, dear, to her mother, because I guess they must have said it like, yes, dear, like that, you know? So um, uh, again, I found out when I said yes, dear, to her, like that was not the thing she really wanted to hear. And I wasn't saying it that way, but um, her environment that she had been in was different. So I don't say yes, dear, unless I'm really wanting to be feisty. And I don't say ornery. You know, I pretty much don't say that one anymore, but uh, to her at least. Uh, and so in other words, it changed my communication. So as soon as you learn enough, then, you will, uh, then you'll actually have the ability to change, and then you'll change. So we want to talk about, for this morning's uh, section of the series, Entering Into the New, I want to talk about the voice of the Lord and following the voice of the Lord. In other words, if you're going to enter into the new and it's the God kind of new, you're going to have to follow the voice of God. You're going to have to follow the leading of the Lord. Well, what does that sound like? What does that look like? Uh, what does that feel like? What does that seem like? How, how, how do you know if the Lord is leading you to do something uh, versus, well, it's just a thought you have or it, it's, um, it's from the devil or, you know, how do you know? Well, let's look at... Um, 2 Thessalonians. Or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And I pray God, and the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul said he divided man into three parts, spirit, soul, and body, in that order. Spirit, soul, and body. So in other words, you and I are three-part beings. So in our interactions in existence, uh, we interact with our spirits, with our souls, and with our bodies. What does that mean? Well, um, James said that we are to be, uh, well, first Paul said it in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And then James talked about the saving of your soul. Well, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So James is writing to people that are already born again. So how in the world can your soul be saved? Because isn't your soul saved when you're born again? Well, according to the Bible definition of soul, you're talking your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your spirit that is recreated. So what happens? Well, as soon as man is born again, he is in a phenomenal position because he has been made brand new on the inside by God and has become one with God. And if man then responded out of who he was in his spirit, the core of your being, the real you, in your heart, well, all the time, then he'd pretty much have it made. But Romans says that we are to be, Romans 12, that we are to be transformed. Okay, we, the new creature, are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So basically, we can follow the will of God. So in other words, if you're not renewed in your mind, you're going to have a very difficult time following the will of God. Why would that be? Because you're a new person on the inside after the likeness and the image of God. 
recreated in righteousness and holiness of truth. In other words, you've been created pretty awesome. Why is that? Well, because you are a three-part being. And the way that your spirit is able to dominate in this world, the real you is able to dominate, is through your mind and through your body. If, you're gonna, if you see someone in an accident and you want to go get them out of the car and you want to help them because that car is smoking, well, you're going to have to get your body over there. To get your body over there, you're going to have to use your mind. Well, let's just take it to, to uh, telling someone about Jesus. If, if you encounter someone, uh, you know, we went to a conference at, um, in Louisiana just in um, March and uh, first day, you know, I'm kind of tired from the drive. It's a long drive. It's like 17 hours or something, but we split up into two days. But still, it's a little bit, you're ready for a rest. And so they have a hot tub at this hotel. And so I went to go get in the hot tub, and I'm getting in the hot tub. And, you know, I just had something on the inside, uh, you know, kind of prompted me uh, to talk to these people that are, uh, I don't remember if they're in the hot tub or near the hot tub then. And um, I kind of felt in my heart, yeah, I'm going to need to tell them about Jesus. And so... Um, it was a, a father and a son, and the father was there, and, and uh, um, we just got to talking about, um, they do excavation stuff, so we're talking about excavation, how to do excavation, those type of things. And uh, to make a long story short, he ended up leaving, and then the son's there, and he's telling me about all this excavation, and I'm sitting here thinking, Lord, like, uh, I thought I was going to witness to them, but I can't get a word in edgewise, because uh, he's telling me, like, how to how to fix the swale in my yard and make sure the water goes this way. And they have like all the Walmart accounts, you know, and how eco-friendly Walmart is and all this type of stuff. And it's fun information to know, you know, but I'm kind of like, uh, you know, what? And so I thought, well, <laughs> maybe not. And so I was like, Lord, just have him ask something if, if he really, you know, needs to be born again because I can't even get a, uh, I, I can't even talk. It's going to be like really awkward, you know. So he finally says, so... I heard you're a pastor. He said, uh, I don't know if you remember what he said. Do you remember what he said? He said, uh, oh, yeah, he's like, so you're a pastor. Uh, are you allowed to have sex? <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's my door right there. Look at that. Praise the Lord. I said, yes, we are encouraged to have lots of sex just with our wives. Not with like a lot of people, just one, one man, one woman married in Christ, and then you're supposed to have lots of sex. And I said, actually, the studies show like the happiest people sexually are people that are born again and have one spouse of the opposite sex. And so um, anyhow, long, and then maybe the story's getting longer than what I want it to be. But uh, at any rate, we talked about the word, and um, he accepted Christ. Uh, right there. Uh, I think he was sitting up on the edge of the hot tub with his feet in the hot tub. And, uh, and so uh, it was worth it. I stayed up later when I wanted to because I normally like to go to sleep, but that's, uh, that's wonderful. And uh, uh, a great opportunity. But he made a decision from his inward man. But he had all of these thoughts from the outward man. Like, uh, you know, he was about 20 years old, I think. And so he's thinking, well... If I get born again, if I, if I become a Christian, then I'm going to have to give up stuff. And there's some stuff that I really don't want to give up, right? And so he's thinking as a natural man. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, that's how Nicodemus was thinking. 
He may not have been thinking about sex, but he's thinking about natural man. And Jesus said, you have to be born from above. And he's like, what? He said, how can you be born from above? Like, born again, do I go a second time into my mother's womb and be born? And he said, no, 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 no. You're totally thinking the wrong way. So sometimes we're totally thinking the wrong way. And if you have not renewed your mind, most of the time you're thinking totally the wrong way. Maybe all the time you're thinking totally the wrong way because the word will transform how you think. Okay? And so, you know, Solomon uh, was such a wise man, but he asked for what? Wisdom. He didn't ask for riches and honor, but he asked for wisdom. And because of that, he also got riches and honor and everything else added to it. And what Solomon was doing, or rather what the Lord said to Solomon about he made the wise choice to ask for wisdom. You know, so many of us, it's easy to fall in the other category that you're going after the money rather than going after the wisdom. In other words, you're going after the things that this life can offer you instead of the things that will last forever. Because, uh, you know, if your circumstances today and what you have today in material things, moth and rust destroy, you know, and thieves break in and steal in the world, the Bible says. And, uh, you know, I was part of helping a a church in Michigan build a, a new building. It was a rather large building. It was a $40 million expansion to their facility. And uh, one year after they had uh, went into the building, uh, moved in and done that, one year I went out under the overhang, and so it's a rather massive overhang. It's bigger than this room. And um, man, that thing was rusting, the paint's peeling off, and all these things. One year afterwards, Well, because it wasn't maintained and it wasn't actually initially painted correctly. But the point I'm making is, I mean, you go buy a brand new car today and like in about a month, you've seen about now everybody else has the same car that you just bought, first of all, if you'd like to be unique. And then second of all, you're like, oh, I don't know, it doesn't maybe have what it had. Well, it's used now. And so things of the earth are temporary and the trap that's easy to fall into is you see the glitter and you see the sparkle and you're like, ooh, I like it. I'm not just talking about like material things, but I'm saying like um, sometimes people want to have like a a relationship that they shouldn't have. And they say, well, because we have chemistry. And, uh, you know, I I really know on the inside that that's not a good relationship for me and I shouldn't be involved there. But, But they're just so used to Uh, falling into the rut of doing things that satisfy the flesh or that um, stimulate the mind and their mind's not renewed, that they'll find themselves going that direction and their heart really is not happy with it. They're really not wanting to go that direction. But what happened? Well, I equate it to um, exercise and, uh, oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) I got to tell you testimony. And so I equate it to exercise and so I like to jog, and a lot of people, I think I'm learning that most people don't relate to that, <laughs> and, and so, um, but I was in the Air Force, and so we didn't have to jog, 
And so it was much more beneficial. Like my friend was in the army and he had to get up at 530 every morning and jog. And so he didn't really want to jog. You ever have like, a, I was growing up and mom on, you know, have to do the dishes and, you know, mom and dad go take a nap on Sunday afternoon and we're doing the dishes and you don't want to do the dishes. And especially for some reason, I'm not saying it's godly, probably not. But when they tell you to do the dishes, you're like, oh, but it's so much more satisfying to do the dishes before they tell you. Then you feel like you're doing something. Why? We all want to be a giver. You know, we all want to like, and we all want to be honorable and do the right thing. You don't have to be told the thing to do. Okay, that was totally separate. So exercise. And so I, um, I fell in January off of an extension ladder or on it. I fell on an extension ladder. I fell with an extension ladder. Okay, I was working on my house. I was probably like seven or eight feet up, extension ladder at an angle. And uh, Jeremy was there helping me and, and Chris uh, from the church. And so um, they were using the other two ladders. And so I did something unwise. In other words, I didn't, I didn't um, follow the leading of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit will never lead you wrong. And the way he leads is he leads through your spirit. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. Well, what does that mean? Well, what that means is that God is going to use your spirit to shine light on your path. In other words, he's going to communicate with you through your spirit. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Your spirit is how he's going to lighten your path and um, show you the way to go. But if you don't pay attention you will have the answer on the inside, the right thing to do in every single situation of life, especially if you haven't developed your spirit, meaning you haven't become accustomed to listening to your spirit and obeying your spirit, well, then you may make some mistakes. Or, uh, you know, I've worked on developing my spirit for a long time since I learned that you're supposed to develop your spirit and learned how to develop your spirit. But what happens is, now most of the time when I miss it, it is a pressure situation. In other words, this decision has to be made right now, or this needs to be done right now. And so the Bible says, he that believeth will not make haste. In other words, he won't rush into it. He won't just all this type of stuff. You just, you stay in peace. But what happens is, uh, there's deadlines in the world because the world, which you need to time, and things have to be done by certain uh, uh, deadlines and, and those type of things in order to do what you need to do. Uh, but if you're not real careful, people and the world system will push you into a place where you're not making a decision based on what you have on the inside. You're making, making a decision based on pressures from the outside. And so it's real important to be aware of your spirit. And if you start to feel pressured, you need to kind of like uh, uh, say, I need to use the restroom or do something where you can kind of like get yourself calm and focus back on what you have really on the inside of you. So anyhow, I made a mistake, and man, was it a mistake. So the, the ladder goes, it had sawdust under the bottom of it, and so I'm up there on, leaning on the wall, and it falls down like this. And so when it fell, I mean, it's going down at the speed of gravity, and then I was on it at the speed of gravity. So we're riding together in this journey. So we ride together in this journey, but the ladder decided to stop suddenly. They say it's not the fall that kills you, it's the sudden stop, right? And so the fall was fine. 
it's a little um, scary. Because <laughs> I'm like, what's happening? You know. Uh, but the ladder hit this uh, board I had up on the side, and fortunately my hands were underneath of it. So I like slammed into this ladder, um, and um, like here and here and here and here and here and here. Every place there's a run. <laughs> so I'm laying there, and I'm like, oh, what just happened? And so, and I'm kind of like a processor, and so I'm, I'm like, I don't like immediately move, so I'm like starting to feel, and I'm like, okay, that's good. You know, of course, I go down, and I'm like, in the name of Jesus. And so I am um, feeling everything. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I think everything's fine. At about that time, you know, you're kind of glad that's over. About that time, I am hit with this 200-plus-pound weight that fell from a ladder, like up here. There was a ladder to this side of me. It was Jeremy. And he fell and hit me. And so where I had just slammed my head into the ladder, it slammed again. And it was mostly my head because I had lifted my head up, but my legs were all, all down, right? And so uh, I tell you that because it's kind of comical. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to reach out and help you. And man, did he help. <laughs> and, um, you know, Chris was there. And Chris said, well, I... I, I you know, something like, I'm really proud of Jeremy because he has the presence of mind in midair when he's over you. He put his arm down and went like that. <laughs> I said, I believe it. I believe it. So at any rate, I, 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 um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had gotten a concussion. But I didn't break any bones, praise the Lord. And you think, well, like, oh, this is good. I didn't break anything. Everything's good. You know, you got seeing birds for a little bit and everything would be fine. You know, I was in bed except for the weekends pretty much for almost two weeks straight and couldn't really function very well and then um, would, uh, pray and believe God and then the thing would uh, get better and then get worse and better and worse, better and worse. And I've been going through that uh, since January, since the first week of January um, till uh, this week. And so, um, but this week something, something uh, happened and uh, we were talking about Pastor Mark's coming on July 22nd. Well, he was here and uh, uh, got a word from the Lord in the service and said, uh, you know, somebody with a stomach problem, you know, come up. And then he said somebody with a head, like something with your head, head injury or something like around the head. And I thought I was serving, you know, so I'm like, I'm a processor. So I'm like, I wonder if I should go. I'm like, that's like me. That's like, that's amazing. But I'm busy helping these people. So I looked over at my wife and she's like, and I, <laughs> oh, okay. So I went up and uh, he prayed for me. He prayed for me, and I kind of fell out in the spirit. And as I'm falling out, I hear him. And he said, uh, that uh, head injury, the headache from that, that'll never come back again. Well, I've been doing this for a long time. Well, I consider a long time. But maybe depending on your age, you consider I'm just beginning. Anyhow, I've been doing it for a while. And so I know that the second that you receive something from the Lord... The devil's normally going to try and come and steal it away, right? So I know, like, okay, so, um, uh, you know, headache's going to try to come back. And so uh, I'm there just uh, receiving, praising the Lord, and I get up, and then I said, uh, oh, that's, this is good. And so I got up, got back to my, I don't remember where I was because I'm trying to think natural and I'm talking spiritual. So anyhow, 
whatever. Wherever I was that night, I don't know if I stayed home, went home or went to a hotel, but anyhow, I was somewhere. I slept somewhere. And um, so, uh, sure enough, all of a sudden, a headache tried to come back. And I said, oh, no, you don't. I said, number one, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. And I said, number two, the centurion was a man under authority. And he told Jesus, you don't even have to come. You just speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And so I said, I actually said this uh, to the thought or to the devil or to the symptom or whatever it was and before that and before the Lord. And I said, listen, if the centurion did that, I said, um, I'm a man in authority. I have those in our church that are under me, under spiritual authority. And I said, I'll say things, but he's my pastor, and so he's in spiritual authority over me. So I said, not only did Jesus say it, I said, but also one in authority over me said it. I said, so it's not coming back. So it tried to come back like I don't know how many times. But the second I would just stand my ground, having done all to stand, stand, boom, it'd leave, it'd leave. So I'm, I, I haven't got off track. So I love to jog. And so I've been, I've been jogging, trying to jog through this whole thing. And I jogged right away afterwards and did, did a bunch of stuff because I'm like, I'm fine, you know, because I spoke the word. This is like in January, right afterwards. No problem. So I do all, all this stuff and things are functioning. So I guess it wasn't immediately two weeks. It was like after I had done all that for three days. Then all of a sudden, man, it hit me like a load of bricks. I couldn't think straight. My speech was slurring. It was horrible. And um, hard to pray, hard to read the word, which that's kind of like, um, you know, uh, Pastor Mark said, uh, Paul and Silas in prison, you know, said probably to the devil, you know, you, you got my feet bound, got my hands bound, but you should have taken my mouth shut. <laughs> because if you can get the word in your mouth and speak it, uh, the devil has no chance. Devil has no chance, but if he can stop it. So anyhow, so I had tried to run, and I kept running. Finally, my mother said to me, like, do you think you really should be running? Like, isn't that jarring your head every time you're running? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to give up running. Like, that's not a good option, you know? And um, so, but finally, I thought, well, I tried everything else, and, you know, for whatever reason, things are not working out. And so I, uh, I stopped running for uh, a week, I think, a week, maybe a little more, something like that, it's as much as I made it before I went again. But it is like no matter what I did, it didn't seem I could figure out what was causing the problem uh, in a natural sense. And so, um, but I really couldn't run. I'd run and then my head would hurt afterwards and I'd kind of like be mushy in mental realms for for a while. So anyhow, I'm really trying to tell you a testimony. So after this, yesterday, I'll just say the punchline. Yesterday, I ran 11.18 miles. And wonderful hour and 46 minutes, I think I ran for, jogged for, I shouldn't say ran, jogged for, hour and 46 minutes, uh, more than I ran last year, you know, because I like to run distances on Saturdays. And, and so, uh, you know, the Lord has healed me and has set me free. Uh, but you know what? I was in my place. So there's something about coming together where there is a supply when you come together. And, uh, you know, some things you will not get if you don't get it in a corporate atmosphere. Some things you will not get if you don't get it personally. Some things you will not get if you don't get it from iron sharpens iron, another relationship. Some things you will not get if you don't get it from those under you in the Lord. That's a new thought. Some things you will not get if you don't get it from those over you in the Lord. And so uh, the thing about it is uh, we are the body of Christ. And God designed... That I can't say, like, I'm the most important, nobody else is important, I don't need anybody else. But you can't say that either. 
because the body of Christ is to flow and fit and form together. And so the reason that you have relationships, uh, the ecclesia, the Greek word for church, is actually the study of relationships that God has ordained, or you could call it supernatural relationships. And so um, he has those set up so that we can uh, receive from him at any point and any time. And sometimes, you know, you prefer, especially if uh, you're a minister, you're like, I just, I just speak the word myself and things will be taken care of and there'll be no issue. And that's just how it is because I'm a great man of faith and power. You know, you kind of could get that thinking. But it's really because Jesus is a great man of faith and power and you really want to be led uh, the way he leads you. So I'll, I'll finish with, uh, for this week with one more story. And um, if I find it, yeah, here it is. So I've told this story before, but not kind of in this much detail. But, um, you know, Brother Hagen traveled a lot, and uh, there was a particular minister that he uh, traveled to him and found out he'd been in an accident, so he wanted to hear the story. And um, this minister was traveling with his wife. And they were staying in a particular city, and they were, uh, I think, on their last leg home. And so then they were going to go home uh, after their vacation, after their trip. And so he had just put the suitcase in the trunk of his car. His wife was in there finishing up her makeup, so all he had left was her makeup case. And that could have been substantial, depending on your wife. <laughs> and so he, he just put that in there. He said, okay, we're going to get going. And, um, you know, went and grabbed her... Um, makeup case and got her in the car and um, he said we claim the promises of God you know no accident will overtake us no evil will befall us uh, we're gonna go he said but as I'm putting the suitcase in the car he said I had something on the inside telling me wait 10 minutes he said but I said no we claim the promises of God we claim the protection of God and so they got in the car and they started driving and they go and they come around this corner and there is a pile of cars around the corner because somebody had an accident and they could not stop in enough time. And so he slammed into this pile of cars and then cars came behind them and slammed into them. Uh, in fact, when they slammed into the cars in front of them, uh, it killed a young lady. And then his wife was severely injured in this accident. And he said, you know, if I'd have known how to follow the voice of the Lord, I never would have gotten that accident. He said, you know, we weren't 10 minutes in that accident before a police officer came up because they'd already been called and they put their car right before the curve with the lights flashing so everybody would stop. He said, if I'd have waited just the 10 more minutes that I had in my spirit from the Lord, we'd have been prevented from all of that because, I mean, the trauma of uh, you know, even though other people had stopped, you were involved in someone losing their life. You know, and then your wife having to recover and all these type of things. And so uh, the reality is God has set it up so that we can be led and should be led in every area of our life. And so uh, I think probably next week we'll start a series on being led by the Spirit of the Lord. But um, I want to end with this because... Sometimes uh, I think we make it a utopia. Do you know what that means? Like it's like, oh, just amazing. If I could ever be led by the Spirit of God, it would be so amazing and I'll get there someday and I'm not even close. And No, 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 that's exactly wrong. That's exactly unbiblical. 
That's exactly unscriptural. That's exactly doubt. Because Jesus said that um, he'll send the Holy Spirit and you actually already know him. You're already acquainted with him. Do you know if you are born again, you already have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and you are acquainted with him. The thing is, you're just not maybe used to paying attention to him. But it's actually very easy. Now, if your mind's all cluttered up and you got all these emotions pushing against you, and, well, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to decide this, you got to do this. Well, you're going to have a really hard time hearing his voice. Because you remember back in, in the Old Testament, you know, there was lightning and the Lord went into lightning. There was thunder, the Lord was into thunder. Then there was a still uh, a small voice, some translation said, or someone said like a light wind or a small breath. And the Lord was in that. When I say someone, I mean one of the people translating it. And so... Um, Romans 8.16 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does that mean? That sons and daughters of God should expect to be and will be led by his Spirit. And so, really, the Holy Spirit is leading you, but you're just so used to responding other ways if you're not used to responding to him. And he's always right there, but his voice is not full of he doesn't speak like the world speaks because the way the world speaks is you have to do this. You have to do that. You're a big mess up because you didn't do this. You know, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. His way is the way of peace. I don't mean peace like it's quiet. That is so temporary. Well, especially if you have kids. Right, Jody? And so... I'm talking about an inward peace that no matter how wild it is in a house with four kids or however many kids you have or, or wherever you're at in your business, if you work, you know, somebody working on Wall Street, man, that seems chaotic, okay. And so you can be in whatever atmosphere and have the peace of God and should have the peace of God uh, I'm saying it the wrong way, and should be conscious of and aware of the peace of God that is on the inside of you. The thing is, when you get here on the outside and you're trying to hear on the outside, you're going to have a very difficult time. Uh, but when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came on you, did not condemn you, but he convicts the world of sin, and so he convicted you, and then you responded. And then after that, every time he has spoken to you, you actually are aware of it if you can kind of think back. And you can look at your life and times when you followed him and when you didn't, and you can say, oh, and you start to isolate. Oh, this is how he speaks, right? Because it's really an inward witness. He bears witness with our spirit. What was a witness? Well, like, you know, if you saw an accident, which, by the way, out here they have lots of accidents, so I plead the blood of Jesus over you on that main road there when you pull out of the school. But if you, if you happen to witness an accident there... Um, you know, I might say, oh, did you see the red car hit the yellow pickup? And if you saw it, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Well, that's kind of how like the leading of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, the primary way that he speaks is like, the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the witness. Yeah, I saw that too. Oh, yeah, there was that too. That's why sometimes if you're trying to follow what the Lord is leading you to do, if you begin to take a step in that direction, which you believe it is, and you check not here, you don't reason it out, but you check here, and you say, well, is that right? I'm moving that direction. You'll notice you kind of get uneasy, or it's like, oh, like a breath of fresh air. 
right? Because it's in your spirit. It's not in your mind. You can figure, and I can speak from personal experience, you can figure a lot of stuff out in your mind. That doesn't mean it's the uh, Bible or the leading of the Lord for you. And uh, it's, it's important. So praise the Lord, entering into the new. And uh, the best way to enter into the new is follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And he will never lead you wrong. If I look back on my life at the times when he has led me and I have followed him, he has never been wrong. And if I look at the times when um, I didn't follow him, I think I wish I would have followed him. And uh, uh, oh, I don't want to. I have to say this uh, because I know how the devil works. And so when you don't follow the leading of the Lord, it's not like you get disciplined from the Lord because you didn't follow the leading of the Lord. What happens is you enter into the devil's territory where he has authority. You know, Ephesians says that Satan is the God of this world. It really you could, um, if you wrote it out like a paraphrase, he's the God of this world system. So he's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So if you get on his system, like if you're going to take a flight and you go on his airplane instead of God's airplane, it's going to be a turbulent flight and people will die. Right? Windows will blow out. Maybe you get sucked out. But you get on God's airplane, everything's safe. But what happens is, you got like this, I was military, my brother was a, a crew chief on a KC-135, which is a refueler. So you got like this connection sometimes, and sometimes you try to climb down that refueling line and get on the devil's plane. So what I'm saying is, the Lord doesn't do something to you, you... you, you but the second that you get outside of that, you're outside of where he can protect you. Why is that? Because he never does anything contrary to his word. So as soon as you're acting on the word and in the word, you're, you're in that place. But as soon as you get out, you're open. You're out in the open. In other words, out here, outside of who you are in Christ and who you made to be, you don't have authority over the devil. It's in Christ that you have that. So like... You understand? Like we're all, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. But I'm saying it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So the things that I do, I do in the strength of God and the faith of God, not in my own strength and my own faith. Uh, <clears throat> but you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but you have the mercy of God. Meditate on his mercy and you'll, you'll be a lot more patient with yourself. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Stand with me if you would. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. It is the best life in the whole world that you could ever live. It is a life free from guilt, free from shame, free from depression, free from limitations. You actually take the limits off when you get in Christ. <clears throat> You know, uh, a lot of times people think like Romans 7, Romans 8 talks about that you're a slave when you become a Christian. No, no, you were a slave to sin and you were a slave to obey the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law and set us free from a life of bondage and a life of slavery. Because why? Uh, you're, well, you're a slave to the one that you obey. So if you're doing whatever you want to do, uh, you're believing a lie. Because actually, you are a slave to those things. You're a slave to those desires, to that selfishness. Um, because without God, really, there's nothing good about you. But with him, you're full of goodness, full of grace, full of life, and your life will have an impact beyond the here and now. 
Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's nothing you can do to make yourself clean enough to come, to make yourself good enough to come. Jesus already paid the price, made you clean, made you good, made you righteous, made you right. All you have to do is accept what he did for you. Come just the way you are, just the way you are. And that's how you come to God. If that's you this morning, and you'd like to come to God, you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, I want you to slip up your hand. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. In an instant of time, you'll be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and the authority of darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of freedom, into the kingdom of love, because he loves you so much. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of freedom. Don't wait another minute. Don't wait another hour. You don't even know when you'll breathe your last breath. God loves you and he wants to be part of your life and he wants you to have the fullest life possible. If you're here and you've never been filled with the Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There is an experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was born again many years and was not filled with the Holy Ghost or baptized in the Holy Ghost. Did that mean I didn't have the Holy Spirit? No, I had the Holy Spirit. But the same Spirit that I was born again of that I had said to me, you need this. And so I responded, and man, what a life of fullness, what a life of light, what a life of leading. Made things just magnified and multiplied open up whole new realms if that's you and you like to be filled with the spirit but you haven't been just slip up your hand I'd love to pray with you and for you well heavenly father we thank you for your word father we pray that your word would penetrate deep within our hearts father I ask that you give light illumination, spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you concerning what we've spoken of your word this morning, concerning your plan for each and every life that's here and each and every life that's listening. Father, we thank you that you are good and that you do good in all of your ways and in all of your dealings with us. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.